Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and it's good to have you with us here on a beautiful October Sunday. Happy October. Speaking of uh, dates and times, I got a few things to let you know about. This Tuesday on October the 3rd, we're having an exciting meeting about the Fall Fest. I, I emphasize exciting because we're going to be covering lots of details. And if you can make that meeting, that'd be fantastic. That's this, and it's at 6 o'clock, am I right? 6 p.m. It'll last about an hour. And it's going to be here at the building this Tuesday. Also, we're getting ready for the Fall Fest. We've got it up on the side of the building, and it's going to be happening here on the 22nd of October as well. And if you want to help with this, just see Jafer. Should you stand up? There she is right there. You can see her, and she will help you get you connected in some way. The men's retreat's coming up now. and it's got, Now we're getting to be able to talk about that. And uh, we're going to be uh, having uh, a wonderful weekend at Gurley Camp uh, over by Greenville again. Uh, this year, it's Act Like a Man. I don't know if you what you're going to expect out of that, but it's Act Like a Man. And we're going to be looking at masculinity and manhood. We're going to be looking at what does the Bible teach about what a man's supposed to be. And uh, in fact, we're going to, if, you'll, if you haven't gotten a, a, a handout yet, the handout's got uh, a beard. We got a bearded person and, with a schedule in it. And it, it, it looks like Mike Dennis. But anyway, it's, uh, it's got this beard. And we're asking all the men, if you'd like to join in, we're going to have a contest. I know it's No Shave November uh, uh, going on that month. But if you want to start now and start growing whatever you can, we're going to have a contest. <laughs> And have the most creative looking facial hair that we can get. Now, some of you have gotten a head start on some of us. I know when, when, when I grow, I look like they want to take me to the vet and put me down because I look like I have the mange. That's the truth. But I'm going to take a stab at it and we're going to see what happens. Uh, so if I look kind of scroungy the next few weeks, it's not because I'm lazy. I'm wanting to win something at the men's retreat. Join me in that contest. That's going to be now. Uh, November 10th and 11th. So we've got five, six weeks to see if we can grow there. We've been looking at, we're looking at in this series, uh, looking at uh, 10 reasons why uh, this group, the church, is the most important and significant group on earth. Last week we looked at five different reasons. I was looking at some uh, statistics. I'm a statistician type. I love gathering stuff. And uh, I came across this by uh, Gallup and Barnum. Almost half of America claims to either attend or belong to a church. It's roughly 47%. 40% of Americans, if you ask them, yeah, I go to church, and yes, I'm a part of a church. 47% of Americans. By the way, that number has been going down since 2000. It's been slowly declining since the year 2000. But today... Uh, people, about 47% of us, 20% of America right now, 20% of Americans, uh, this is through Gallup, attend church every Sunday. They get out of bed and they clean up and they come to church every Sunday morning. That's roughly 66 million Americans every Sunday. When you ask them, what about uh, if you attend once a month or more than once a month, maybe not every week, but somewhere between a month and every week, the, the, the percentage goes up to 41%. Now, the reason I bring that up is because on any given Sunday, the amount of people that attend a church service across America is just about as many people who attend all the five major sports venues 
the whole year. In just one week, people are going to church. That number rivals all of the five different sports venues a year's attendance combined. Is that something? That's, it's a pretty, we're a pretty big outfit. We're still pretty big. Numbers have declined. By the way, let me give you a, something to be encouraged by. 39% of millennials, that's people between the ages of 25 and 40, 39% are going to church now on a weekly basis, and that's up from 21% before COVID. So that's encouraging. What's that tell us, church? Young families are looking for a place to worship. They're look, uh, kids, families, young couples with children are looking for a church that's going to help them raise spiritual champions. They're looking for that. Uh, that you probably wonder, what, is that what's happening to us? Why are we gearing up you know, our kids and our teen ministry? I didn't know this statistic existed till this week. God has been leading us in this direction, way ahead of the statisticians. I think that's exciting to know. So the question sometimes I ask, and I'm asking this, when I look at this, I go, why do people attend church? Why do they even go to church? What makes them get out of bed on Sunday or pack up, like I was telling someone this morning, pack their kids up and their family and go to small group or go to a church activity? And better, there's probably a better question than that. Why do you attend what made you get out of church this morning or get out of bed this morning and come to church? What made you decide to come every week? Some of you here are come here every week. Well, what's the reason? You know, you'd be surprised how many people really don't know. They have lots of reasons. They'll say, well, I come to hear a, a, a sermon or I, I like the music or maybe it's out of duty. Well, you know, that's what I've always done. So that's what you do. Or maybe it's a, a, some sort of a tradition or sometimes some people come every week because, well, I feel like my needs are getting met. I, I've got some things that's going on and the church seems to supply some of the support and the answers to what I'm going through. And some of us here, we go because we just love God. We just love God and we, we want to worship God with other Christians on a Sunday basis. Some of you here, during the time we shut down during COVID, it killed you. You hated it. I was one of those people. Very first lesson I preached right over here. Yeah, we had an iPhone right there because I could not preach from home. Oh, do it from home. I don't want to preach from home. This is where I preach. And I, and I visualized, if you remember that very first lesson, where everybody sits. And some of you have moved around lately. But most of you, you've got your place. You sit. And it was just exciting for me because I was... In the house of God, I call it, you know, it's just a building, but it's, it's a place where we get together and we worship together as a church. And I know for some of us, it was, it was, it was misery. Why are we doing this? And we're so excited when we came back together. Am I right? You're just so excited that we're finally, and all that's behind us. You say, man, COVID's so five minutes ago, Tim, stop referring to it. I'll try to remember, but, but we remember being the frustrating, uh, being fr so frustrated during that time. So there's a reason you're here. There's a reason you come every week. There's a reason you come once a month. There's a reason you might come twice a year. I don't know. Where, there's a reason. Okay? And we've been looking at what are ten reasons, really, to be a part of, of God's church. Last week we looked at five. Why, the, why, this, why this group here, 
The group you're in right now is the most important group you could be a part of. Let's go, let's review real quickly. Number one, the church of Jesus is God's family. I'm a part of God's family. You're a part of God's family. First Peter 3 says that. It's a privilege, it says, to be a member of God's family and that we're born into this family and we're members of this family. I go to a family, I go to a family reunion and I'm not, a, you ever been to a party and there's another family there? And you know it's obvious you're not a member of that family because they really don't speak to you. They've got their own little group over there and you've got your own little group over here. Well, it, I'm a part of God's family. That's a special thing. The second reason is that Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ is the reason er, God made everything. All of this is here because of this. That's what the Bible says. In fact, God said long ago, his, one of his first thoughts, if not his very first thought, is someone like you is a Christian. He says, long ago, even before the world was made, God chose us, it says here in Ephesians 4, to be his very own. And then there's a third reason. There's a third reason why this, this group is the most important group on the planet, and that is that Jesus died for his church. You want to know how important something is? If someone's willing to die for it, that puts it right up there, doesn't it? And that's what the Bible says. He loved the church and gave himself up for the church. And last week we learned number four was that the church of Jesus is here to fulfill what God wants. That's what I want us to be. I'm learning this from the scriptures. I think this is what God wants us to be. He just wants us to be the, become the church that he wants. That we become the church. Notice I said become because we're always evolving, aren't we? We want to become the church that Jesus wanted to build. And so in order to do that, we have to be interested in what he wants, not what a personality wants or a preference I have. There's, I, by the way, guys, listen, church, man, there's, there's things I'd rather do differently here. There's things that I don't like doing here. You say, oh, really? Yeah. Well, then why are we doing them? Because I don't have the say. Wow. Got to go for quiet. I don't have the say. You say, well, yeah, you, uh, I could suggest, but you know, not everything around here is being done because Tim wants it done this way. It just isn't that way. I've learned over the years, I've got an idea of what I think ought to be, and God's got a completely different idea, and every one of you might have a completely different idea. I've learned that my way isn't always the best way. Notice I didn't say right way, but the best way. We're stubborn. I, wanted, I just want to build a church that God wants. That's what I'm after. And notice it says here in, in the message up here on the screen, through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is being known and talked about even among uh, the angels. Uh, I got news for you. It's also being done in front of the eyes of the angels. God wants what he wants fulfilled. He's going to use his church. And number five, the church of Jesus is the only group that will last forever. I heard a kid once say, when is church going to be over? I've heard adults say that too. Uh, here's the answer, never. Never. It goes on and on and on and on. It's forever. It's designed to last forever. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, glory belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. If glory's going to be, the glory of God's going to be in the church forever, then it's going to be around forever to contain the glory of God. So what are the, what's five more? Five more reasons why this should be the most important group you want to be a part of. Let me give you number six. The church of Jesus is the only group that has the power to prevail. 
It's the only group that has the power to prevail no matter what hits it. We're, set, we're sitting right now in a, what's called a monolithic dome, solid concrete, not solid concrete, but it's layers of concrete with rebar. This thing, we, we came across some builders, dome technology, and they claim that this building can withstand a missile attack. They built these during Desert Storm. And they said that it could withstand a missile attack. I'm going, what's that mean? Well, the missile can come in and explode, but the building is going to stay, it's going to be still standing. Well, I don't know if I really care about that. You know, if I'm in it, you know, kind of focuses the explosion on me. Okay, I get it. But there's another thing I noticed. It's, they, they mentioned this, that this, this building can withstand winds over 300 miles an hour. That's, that's beyond Category 5. That's beyond any hurricane that we've ever had. I mean, over 300 miles an hour plus, I think it's 300 to 500 miles an hour is what I think one of them claimed it could withstand. Years ago when we were building this thing, there was a major storm and you can check it out. I, I went back in time. I spent a couple hours just trying to find the day. It was in July. We were, we were in the middle of building this. The doors weren't in the big dome yet. And we were having a, uh, a storm coming through that was having gusts of 63 miles an hour horizontal winds. And I happened to be at the building, and a few of us were here. And here come these strangers in. And I go, well, can I help you? Go, well, yeah, we live right over there. And we've heard that this is the strongest building around. And I go, yeah, it is. But there's something stronger. It's the people that are in it. That's what Jesus said. He said, there's something stronger than this structure. Look what he says. I will build my church. The powers of hell will not be able to have power over my church. He's saying that the church, which is the people, the family of God, is indestructible. I don't know how you carry yourself. If you, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a coward. I'll admit it, I'm a coward. Some of you can do that dragon's wing at Six Flags. You do some of these crazy things. They put you in a chain ball that's caged and they shoot you up and I watch it on video and I get scared and nauseous just watching somebody doing it. And here I am, I'm going, you know, uh, I don't know what you do. On the Batman ride, I always black out for just a few seconds. Honest, every time. I even try not to black out. I've rid, rode that thing several times. I still black out at one spot. I don't know why. But I'll tell you what I look at the constantly on that ride I'm looking at. And that's that bolt that's holding everything together. Because <laughs> I'm a coward. I'm, I'm looking at that bolt going, please bolt. Hold on, bolt. Don't give up today. I don't care about the ride afterwards, but at least this one. Stay in place. If the bolt moves, oh, it's moving. I get a little wimpy about this. But after a while, you know, you go, you know, uh, nobody's getting hurt on the ride. I think. You begin to relax a little bit. If you were told you're going to be in something that's indestructible, would you be a little more, you know, risky with stuff? Absolutely. I can't, I can't break this? No. I, you, you can't break this down. It is, it is like a tank. Like a tank. The kingdom of God is like a tank. Oh, it's more than a tank. It's indestructible. You can blow a tank up. 
but not the church. Church goes through stuff. I've watched, I've watched the church. If you do any, any reading of church history, the church has been through nations and cultures and persecutors and people. The church right now is going through the ringer somewhere in the world, but she will prevail because the gates of hell don't have enough power. The power of death can't hold back the church. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Timothy 3. The family of God is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and foundation of the truth. What's he saying? It's solid. It's solid. And I know maybe you might go, yeah, but Tim, if you ever took a good look around here, it don't seem too stable. (laughs) Well, Jesus says this church is stable. But I've seen stuff that happens. It's like it's ridiculous stuff. You're going to be okay. It's indestructible. I've watched this church go up and down, up and down, up and down. Folks, we're on our way up. I see it. And I'm going to tell you, what goes down will come up in the kingdom of God. They put somebody in the ground one time, and he came out of that thing. The church will prevail. The gates of hell do not have enough power over the church. I'm not saying the church don't get sick. I'm not saying the church sometimes gets stale. I'm telling you, though, the church will prevail. Nothing can stop it. We need to live like this. Look what it says in Hebrews. Since we have a kingdom, nothing can destroy. So what should our response be? Let us please God. Let's relax and please God by serving him with thankful hearts. That sounds like a relaxed heart. Thankful heart, huh? That sound like all stressed out? with a thankful heart and with holy fear and awe. You see, when life gets unsteady, when life gets shakable, and that's happening all the time, there needs to be a place that's secure and solid that I can count on, and that is the church. It's the spiritual house that God has built. The people. Here's number seven. The church of Jesus is his body. Why is it the greatest group, it's his body. No other place is his body. No other place can say, we're Christ's body. GM can't claim that. Starbucks can't claim that. Applebee's can't say that. McDonald's don't even come close to that. That's all I got to say about that. But I'm just saying is that, is that this is the only place that is his body. You know, the Bible talks about the church being, comparing it to a lot of things, an army, a family, a, a building, a body, here, look at this passage here. It says here, And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything everywhere. What does this mean? What, what does this really mean? Well, I tell you what it, I think it means, that whatever he did in his physical body, he wants to do in his spiritual body. I don't know how you are, but you know when, when I go someplace and they say, I want you to identify yourself, what do they ask for? Driver's license? ID card? What's on the ID card? Well, if your ID card's like mine, it's there's there's some of my body. It's a picture of my body and my face. They go, and they I mean, we went to the airport one time uh, this summer and and the person at the TSA is looking at the picture and then looking at me and looking back at the picture. Yeah, it's you. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's that mean? But you know, how do you know if somebody is who they are? You have, 
You look at their body. You can tell, oh, that's Tim over there. Well, how do you know it? Well, look at the bold legs. That's the first thing that gives him away. Look at his ears a little bit. And listen, listen to his voice. And listen to his laugh. That's, that's Tim over there. Look at his hair. That's Tim. You know, very seldom we, we get it wrong. You know, I'm just telling you, people identify you. They use your body to do that. We've got a body down to morgue. Have you identified him, identified him yet? Well, yeah, we don't know who he is yet. Let's take his fingerprint. Something from your body gives you away. And let me tell you, the church of Jesus, his, his body, it identifies him to the rest of the earth. That, that matters. Because the Bible says we're the body of Christ. And so we identify, we help the world see who Jesus is. He still wants to be identified. He says, you want to know who I am? Just look at my church. Just look at my people. Not only is he identified, he lives, in, he lived in his body and he, li- he wants to live in this body. That means that we carry the Lord's heart. We have his hands. We have his feet, his ears, his eyes. He had a physical body. Now he has a spiritual body in which he has, he uses those parts to not only be identified, but to live through. And just like the body, my brain tells, makes my hand do this and do this at the same time. He is the head of the church and that body is controlled by Jesus. That's a very important to understand, see. That's why this group is so important. Nowhere does, does he have control over everybody and everything? Well, he has the most control over his body, his church. That's where he, that's where he expresses and exerts his control, his wants, his desires. He's the head, just like your head tells your body what to do. The head of Jesus tells the rest of the body what it's supposed to do. So I obey, just like my hand's obeying my desires right now, I obey the desires of Jesus as a part of his body, as a member of his body. And as a member, that means I'm a part of that body. No matter how I see myself, if I belong to Christ, if I'm a Christian, I'm a part of his body. You ever thought, what body part are you? Oh, Tim, I've thought that. I've thought that meant too, by the way. I'm the appendix of the Bible. I'm, or the, the body. I'm the pinky of the body. I'm the eyebrow of the body. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not that big a deal. Nobody going to miss me. Do you know anybody that's giving up parts? If my, you say, well, the appendix doesn't do anything. So doctor, I'd like you to take it out. Well, they would love that. They could make a lot of money. Nobody's into, somebody says, are you wanting to donate your body parts to science? I go, well, there's several reasons why I don't want to do that. One is that I'm not going to give them any good information. The second, the second reason is I'm still using them. I'm not going to give them up. I had a guy one time at work when I was a tool and die maker. He had a pinky. He was looking at his fingers. He found out that he could get about $3,000 per digit. 
and he stuck his pinky. He said, well, I don't use this and that much. I think it was the left one. I mean, there's the bottom of the barrels are the pinkies, I guess. And the right one at least has more use than the left one. And he puts his left hand and pinky into a press as it's stamping out parts and chops off his finger. And I go, why'd you do that? I wanted a John boat so I could go fishing. Want to go, what, Tim, what do you want to buy? I ain't going to do it that way. From my dead cold hands are you going to get my parts. I'll fight you. Just think about this. The slightest separation from the rest of the body, that part can't live. And I'm not interested in giving them up. And Jesus is not interested in giving you up either. He's not in the body parts donor business. He wants to keep all the parts. You follow me? Because every one of you is important. I'm the appendix. I'm the pinky. You keep convincing yourself that so you don't have to do anything. Amen. Some of us here, we think, well, I'm not that important. And so you've got yourself in a nice, safe place where you don't have to take any responsibility or any role for what what needs to be done. We've had a lot of people that's had a lot of surgeries here lately. Have you noticed that? You got, uh, I nicknamed him Fingers, Don Yoder. I said he, he got his hand in a saw, about cut his fingers off. Took him six weeks, two surgeries. He's got 30 pounds, of, and in the right hand, you've got 70 pounds of grip. His right hand's like a steel vice. His left hand is like a clothespin, but it's getting there. You know what I'm saying? It's got, it's got some pressure. But I remember him, he was laid up for six weeks. Wayne is home right now, and he, he got his knee worked on. And if you, you know, I said, Wayne, what happened? And, and man, I'm telling you what, his knee, he said, man, Tim, this knee's so messed up. If you talk to him, he's going to talk about that knee, or he's going to talk about Lana. He's one of the two. Lana's short for Atlanta. He's going to talk, or GTO. It's going to be one of those three topics. And, and he's talking about his knee out of whack. I call him up after surgery. Wayne, I was thinking about coming by and seeing you, but I thought, you know, I, I, I don't know how you are with this. I don't want anybody coming by and seeing me after surgery, but I'm sorry I should have come by. Because, oh, no, Tim, I'm glad you didn't come by because I'm in such pain. I don't want anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then he proceeded to talk to me for another hour and a half. <laughs> and you're like, what'd you talk about? Atlanta, Atlanta. GTOs, carburetors. I asked him a question and got 20 minutes. I said, so why do carburetors do that? Well, let me tell you, there's seven reasons why. And he get just like I seven points in the sermon, I'm going, oh, here we go. But he's telling me all this stuff. And I noticed his mouth worked just fine. His hands are working just fine. His ears are working just fine. But he couldn't walk. He's in a recliner. I talked talk to Barb. Barb, how's he doing? Well, he's in a recliner. He can't get up and walk. He's got six weeks or more before he can actually drive. It's amazing how, how one body part can affect all the other pieces. Anybody here ever had a toothache that just, I mean, it's awful. Me too. Had it, had a toothache one day. It was so bad. I'm crying. We're getting ready to go on vacation, and for some reason this tooth is, we're, we're leaving like the next day. It's a Sunday. I'm going, oh, and I'm going, oh, man, this, I'm crying, I'm aching. The mouth is doing its job. Ow! My hand is up there going, poor thing. Oh, that help? No! 
you know, I, I call up the dentist. Danny, I need, I, I, I got a tooth that's killing me. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go drive off a cliff. Okay, I'll come in on Sunday. It's going to cost you, but I'll come in on Sunday and we'll get a, get you all hooked up here. And I go in there and he starts working on my teeth. You know, I'm driving there. I, my eyes are working, but I'm not looking at the beautiful birds and the clouds and the sky. It, they're working, but not as well as they would without a toothache. Is it, you see where I'm going with this? And I know that, can the body function, can the body of Jesus function when some of the parts aren't doing well? You see, I got to understand something. As a part of the body of Christ, it's my responsibility to be a healthy part of the body. I've got to be healthy. Why? Because I affect everybody else. Oh, not me. I'm a pinky. Not me. I'm a hangnail. Not me. I'm appendix. Not me. I'm just one of 31 other teeth in the mouth. Piece about this tall and this wide right there. And it shut me down. You say, well, Tim, but you just said a minute ago, Wayne could talk just fine. Yeah, but he was talking with a, with a wince. He was talking with some pain. He wasn't his best. You see, when all the parts are healthy, that's what the Bible says. When all the parts do their own special work, the body is healthy. Now, why am I saying all this? I know some of us here have been hurt. I is one of them. We've been hurt. We get hurt. You know, uh, church isn't perfect and the world can throw some slugs at us and hurt and hit us and and the and we, we get hurt we get hurt even in the kingdom of god but i gotta ask myself okay i'm hurt and can i justify the pain well no i can identify it i could i know where it come from i know what, what it's doing to me but sooner or later i have to go i gotta get well sooner or later i gotta go i got I can't stay like this. Why? Well, one of the reasons is the church isn't able to do what it could do. I've got to be healthy. That's why I'm in my Bible. That's why I'm on my knees. Well, I made a promise to this church. No, I made a promise to God. When I'm at my best, I set the church up for being their best. Whether I see myself as an important part or as a nothing part, I'm still part of the body, and I have a function. But nobody understands me. Well, the baby, nobody has to understand you to know your significance. Only God knows that, because he put the parts where he wanted them. I had a preacher, old preacher years ago. He goes, if I was God, I wouldn't have put my eyes here. I'd have put them on the end of my fingers. Then I could look around the corner if nobody could see me. Then I got to realize that's not a good idea because if I'm roofing my house and I miss and hit my thumb, I poke my eye out. Maybe God knows what he's doing. God arranges the parts a certain way and it's for a special purpose. And I'm a member of that body. Look at this passage here. The body of Christ has many different parts just as any other body does. We're not all the same. We're not supposed to be all the same. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God has arranged the parts, every one of them in the body according to his plan. He has you where he wants you. Well, I accept that. Why has he put me here? To use me. For what purpose? To help the body. I don't understand spleen. I don't understand the pancreas. I don't understand. All I know is when I'm sick, when one of my parts isn't functioning well, the rest of my body's involved in some way. You know, the only body part that does not have 
any um, receptors for pain is your brain. Did you know that? Well, what about my headaches? Yeah, I said the same thing. What about my headaches? And it's it's that skin or that layer of stuff around your brain that's giving you the headache. It's got receptors. But your brain doesn't. But it knows every bit of pain in your body. You say, are you saying God has no pain? I'm saying God knows every painful thing you and I go through, that we're going through and we will go through. The question is, will we let the head have his way? And will we take responsibility for our own personal health, spiritual health? Stop blaming somebody for why I'm the way I am. And start looking to God rather than looking for an excuse. Look to God. Because when you're at your best, you've made me better. You've made everybody in this room better. And I worry about the church. Join the club. We all do. I mean, I, sure. But I'll tell you what. I, I better make sure I'm on my game and I'm, I'm healthy. What's the answer for this church? Well, it starts with me working on my personal health. Why? Because I'm a member. I'm a body part. Now you are Christ's body and each of you is a member of it. So that means God gives me a role. Whatever it be. I, I don't know what it is, Tim. Find out. Ask God. Ask the brain. Ask the head. Reveal it to me. What do you want me to be? What body part do you want me to be? It's funny, this word member is from the Greek word melos, which means the working parts of a ship. I, I think it's called that because they didn't have automobiles back then. I think today they'd say working parts of a car. You guys ever drive along? I, I, I'll just ask, how many of you got a red light on right now, a check engine light? Yeah. And you know, what do we do? Oh, what does it mean? And we look up the code and they say, oh, it's code P4292-62, blah, blah. And you look it up on the internet and it says, it tells you what they think it is. And they say, can you drive with that light on? That's what I want to know because I can't afford to go get a fix. Well, can I drive this? And you'll have a mechanic go, yeah, you can drive it. But you don't want to drive for a long time. Why? Because then you'll get another code and then another code and then another code. You know, I, I, just, I, I go, well, that flat tire keeps showing up. That little tire thing is saying I got low tire pressure. Ah, it's going to be okay. Not if I don't pay attention to it. And what is it? When you see the light, you're all, ah, but then it goes out. One day you're driving down 255 and it goes out. It's at O2 at o, uh, o sensor code. And, and now it's working. And the light goes out. And how do you feel? <sighs> I, I don't know about you, but I mean, that <sighs> feeling is what God wants us to have in the church. Can we function with red lights on? Can the body function? Can this church function? Yeah, but you don't want to go very long like that. Because if we do, we trip another code and another code. You follow me? We're all supposed to be working parts of the ship. That's what it means to be a member of the body. If if a body part isn't functioning like it should, we would say that person 
has a, either a disease or there's something health-wise, they need to do something. I know some of us here, some of us here, you know, I, 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 as we age, some of us here are having trouble holding things. I'm dropping more stuff, remembering things. And so what do I start Googling? How to increase memory? Is there some vitamin? Is there something I can do in exercise? We, we, and I'm saying, church, is there a red light on in your life going, you need to pay attention to this right here. You need to fix this. Why? Because it's affecting the rest of the body of Christ. I think I've beat that horse to death. But it's so important because when you look at all of this, when you look at all this, when I see this verse that says we're members of it, I, I, you and I are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. There's no club that, that gets me more excited and shouldn't get you more excited. There's no organization, no business, no, I'm a Sam's Club member. Well, that's great, but I'm a member of the body of Christ. I'm, I'm here to do what he did. There's no greater calling than to fulfill what Jesus did with his body than to do it in his spiritual body. Here's number eight. The church of Jesus is filled with his spirit. That's what makes this group extremely, extremely important. I don't know about you, but uh, the government is not full of the spirit of God. It's a superpower, but the church is a super duper power because it has the spirit of God. I know sometimes it doesn't look that way. You know, Walmart, $611 billion is what they generate. The top business in the world, $611 billion last year. Amazon is second. You know, let's imagine, you know, 500 and some billion dollars. These are major, but they don't have the Spirit of God. The church has the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible talks about the church being like a building. And look what the Bible says here in Ephesians 2. As in Christ, you are being built together with His holy people. You are being made into the place where God lives through His Spirit. This is His place. You are, you encompass His place where He lives. The Old Testament, they built buildings. They built a tent and God dwelled in the tent. And they carried that around until they got tired. And they said, let's build a temple. So they built a structure, a temple. Solomon builds it. And God dwelled in that temple. And then in 586 B.C., it was destroyed, completely leveled. And then around four something, four nine, about 70 years later, or right in there, they started, we're going to start rebuilding the temple. And they laid the foundation only to be stopped for over 20 years. And finally, they begin to rebuild it again. You see Nehemiah and Ezra, Haggai, Zechariah, all these guys are involved in the rebuilding of the city and the temple and the wall. Why was it so important? Because this is where God is going to live. In the Old Testament, he lived in a building. Today, he lives in a people. Living stones. And when we all come together, the Bible says, all we need is two. And the Lord is in the midst of us. He starts take, 
What are you you guys doing? I'm here too. He wants to be present. He wants to live. This is his place. His place is his people. Look what he says here. uh, Paul says it to church at Corinth. Don't you realize that all of you together are the house of God and that the spirit of God lives among you in his house? Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send a helper. Uh, the, the, the word that is being used is parakletos, is one way to pronounce it. Parakletos, what's that mean? It means a helper, an advocate, a counselor. Jesus says, I'm going to send him to you. Go to Jerusalem. I'm leaving, but I'm sending you a counselor, a helper, an advocate, one who runs alongside you and doesn't run away from you and leave you by yourself. That's what the Holy Spirit is. This is so important for a church because in Revelation, Jesus would threaten to take the lampstick, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, out of a church if they didn't obey what he said and do what he wanted. He knew the death of a church was if God wasn't present. Every church in Revelation has that candlestick. And he says, I'm about to take it out. But I want it to stay. Because I want to be in my house. You mean the dome? No. The church. The people of God. And it's in His church. And maybe sometimes we don't recognize this. I know sometimes I'm immature and I don't see this. That, that the Holy Spirit lives at Greater Alton. His help is there. I may not want it. I may not like it. <laughs> I, may, I go, man, that's not the help I was looking for. Well, that's the help you're going to get. And here's the, here's the comfort you're going to get. I don't know if I... I and here's the advocate. I'm going to speak in your behalf. I didn't think I needed anybody to speak in my behalf. Oh, yeah, you do. I'm a sinner. This morning I was praying while you are singing... Lord, I'm such a sinner. I'm a nothing without you. And you're saying I'm something with you. And so he brings his spirit to live inside each of us together in his church, this this spiritual house now to help us, to help you, to give you guidance, to open doors. Guys, there's stuff that happens. I go... I'm not sharp enough to make that happen. How'd that happen? Holy Spirit was working. Holy Spirit's revealing. The Holy Spirit is comforting, reassuring me, giving me courage, giving me order, giving me clarity, giving me stability when things are shaken all around me. And oh, the encouragement I get from the Holy Spirit when I'm looking at God. When, I'm, when I don't quench His Holy Spirit and His help. Why is this group so important? The Holy Spirit lives in this group. Let me give you number nine. The church of Jesus accomplishes God's greatest work. The reason this this group is so important is because God's work will not get done without this group. He's counting on you and I. I, I, You think about these passages. We're saved by grace, not by work, so no one can boast. 
We are saved by the... I've told people before, we're saved by works. You say, what, what are you talking about? No, we're not. Yeah, the work that Jesus did on the cross. There was some work done. I didn't do it. But there are some things I must do to accept Christ. Right? Turning, repenting, turning to God. Obeying Him in baptism. These are things you're to do. So when he's talking about saved by grace through works, is those the works he's talking about? No, he's talking about the works we do after we become a Christian. Well, I've been going to church for so many years, or I've been, I gave a lot of money, and I, I show up, and I work on this place, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's supposed to be some badge. He says, you're not saved by that. Remember that. You're not doing it to be saved. You're doing it because you're saved. That's a big difference, see? See, down in the core, this listen, the core belief in this church I don't think I'm speaking for myself. I know many of you know this is true. We were saved to serve. We know that's true. We were saved to serve God and serve others. We weren't saved to feel a certain way. I just feel good. I do feel good knowing I'm saved. You got, what else are you supposed to feel? But I'm not supposed to sit on the shelf and do nothing. No, I'm called, I'm saved to do some important things that God wants done. Again, I say this to you as humble as I can. There's no greater calling than to serve Christ in ministry. There's no greater purpose in life. Men drop their nets to follow Jesus because he just said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He goes, oh, that's much better than fishing for fish. The main thing they were after. After purpose. You say, I want purpose. There's your purpose, church. There's your purpose. There's no greater experience. I don't know of anything that charges me up and excites me more when I know God is working something through me. I'm seeing God work through people. Blows my mind. But when, he, when I get to be used, like I'm in the toolbox and I'm a ranch going, pick me, pick me, I want to try. And to be used for a purpose, not to lift me up, but to go, well, God, you, you, I'm useful. You consider me useful? Absolutely. Some of you here are convinced you're useless, and I want you to know that's not true. You're believing a lie. Jesus did important work, so you could do some important work. Look at this, by his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare and ask or imagine. In other words, there's more that God wants to do with me than I think. And my my thinking can get in the way of God working. There's a lot more. Listen, there's some, there's some listen, there's some great organizations out there that are helping people. I I I I, I know that. You know that. They're helping people financially or emotionally with things or physically. They're 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 great uh, civic groups and and charities. But they do not have the remedy of man's greatest problem. You hear me? They can fix a faucet or fix a car and they can fix, but they can't fix the real problem people have. We can. We can. Look at this. Look at the Bible says here. Paul said this. He said this to the church at Rome. And there's, there's a lot of reasons he's saying this. 
he's trying to make them understand that, you know, that Christ is the answer. But, but he's also explaining there's nothing else that works. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. And how does he do that? He does that with his body. He does that through his church. Paul's saying, I've tried everything and I'm getting nowhere. Is there anyone? And he says, I've realized that Jesus and his church, the people that he's saved can help me. Listen, many of you here have helped me through some rough, tough stuff. Some of you have been helped through some rough, tough stuff. Couldn't get it. I couldn't get it from Alton Toyota Dodge. They couldn't help me with that problem. I, could, I couldn't get it across the street to the airliner bar. A lot of people try the airliner, but they, didn't, they weren't able to supply the, pro, the, the answer to my problem. You see what I'm, what I'm saying? Only the church has this. We have the greatest message offering the most incredible hope there is because it deals with the root problem it's, it, and that is, that is that man has sin and no way of dealing with it without Jesus Christ. How does Jesus, how does Jesus get the word out? How does he get people to understand that through his church? This is a great place to raise a family. This is a great place to, to, to have friendships. This, this place, the church, is a, is a great place to find a productive life. And it's a great place to find eternity after it's all this is gone it's his greatest work and he's going to do it through his church you're part of his greatest work you want to get in on this like i say men drop nets they drop their lives to get it done here's the tenth one jesus is coming back for his church if there's a reason it's the most important group he's coming back for his church. Jesus said this, Do not, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, what I've told you that, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. You know, Jesus came to this earth to establish a place. He went to prepare a place and to take us to that place. He's going to come back and take who? those that belong to him, his disciples. He didn't promise a company. He didn't say, I'm going to come back for a company. He didn't say, I'm going to come back for any kind of country. He said, no, I'm coming back for one community, and that's the people who belong to me. I want you to know this morning, Greater Alton Church, you are worth coming back to. He sees that. You are worth coming back to. Why? Because you belong to God. If you're a Christian, you belong to God. If you're not, you don't belong to God. He's not coming back for you. He's come, coming back for those that have claimed Him and follow Him and trust Him and have turned to Him. Look at the Bible says here. I, I love these passages. I usually use them in funerals. It's nice to have them on a Sunday morning for a change. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud call. The head angel will speak with a loud voice. God's horn will give its sounds. 
First, those who belong to Christ will come out of their graves to meet the Lord. Then those of us who are still living here on earth will be gathered together with them in the clouds. We'll meet the Lord in the sky and be with him forever. He's coming back for his church. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said it this way, But everyone will be raised to life in the right order. Christ was first to be raised. When Christ comes again, those who belong to him will be raised to life. And then the end will come. At that time, Christ will destroy all rulers, rulers, authorities, and powers, and he will hand over the kingdom of God to his Father. I want you to know something this morning. It's very important you catch this this morning. God is not coming back for attenders. He's not coming back for people to come every once in a while and attend church. He's not coming back for 47%. And most of them just attend. He's not coming back for those 20% that attend every week. He's coming back for active people, not attenders. People that belong to him, that that understand, I'm in his family. I'm a part of his body. I have a function. I'm here to do his work. I'm not here just to sit and soak and and be dusty on the shelf and listen and, and inspire me, Tim. Sing with me, Alan. Make me feel good. Gary, it's not about that. He's coming back for a people. A people that don't talk like this. That church, that church, or this church, this church. No, they talk like this. Our church, our church. You understand? They're involved. They're not introduced to the church. They're involved. They're all in. They're not, we say it this way. They're not consumers but contributors. Is he coming back for you? Is he coming back for you? You want to be in this group. You want to be in the group that Jesus talks about, this church that's going to prevail, that's going to be eternal. You want to be in that group. You don't want to be kind at the doorway. You don't want to be kind in a group. Kind of like that storm. Not everybody was sitting, standing at the doorway going, look at the wind. No, they were in the middle of the dome going, <laughs> praying, watching stuff fly by. There's something stronger than this structure that God wants you to be a part of. There's a story about a woman who, uh, she shared this story from her childhood. She was a polio victim because when my mother left me in Sunday school, I always asked to wear her locket. She thought I liked the locket, but no, that wasn't it at all. I knew that I wasn't worth coming back for, but I knew she would come back for the locket. The little little girl didn't realize how valuable she was. She didn't realize that the Son of God had come to earth as a man to die for her, that she might have known her real worth. I want you to know Jesus is coming back, and he's wanting to come back for you. You're that valuable. He died for you. He wants, he wants to work with you. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to mature you. He wants to come back for you. I don't know where you are this morning, where you are with all this. How do you see the church? How do you see this group? I know we, we, I may be describing the group the way this is what God wants us to become, but this is really where we are. I want to ask you, why are we still there? 
Is there something you could respond about and make a decision about that would help us get the rest of the body get to be the church that Jesus wants? Why do you come to church? That's a very important question. Hope you can answer it. Let's pray and we'll be through this morning. Father, we thank you for your word again. We always say that. I always say that. Your word is so incredible, so um, so clear. And Father, I know that um, a lot of stuff has been said this morning. Father, we want to be a part of the most important group of our, on earth. We know we want. We just want to be. We know you died for the church. We know that you care about. You want want um, a family. That nothing else mattered. Before you made anything, you thought about us. You thought about each of us. We, Father, we pray that we'll, we'll we'll understand what it means to be a member of your church. Help us help us discover, not create, but discover the purposes of your church to understand them and, and how we can be involved, set our strategy, help us form our, the, the processes that it takes for us to be the kind of church that you built, that you dreamed of. Father, I just ask it, all of us, just if we could, you know, Father, speak to us through your Holy Spirit about our spiritual health right now. And Father, I, I just pray you will adjust some adjust some ideas shift with your holy spirit some paradigms this morning convince us all that we're all important we're all in this together and that we make up your body and there's not a body part no matter what we think there's not a body part that is not is unimportant help us see that we're much more important than we realize not to give us a big head but to just to just to increase the size of our heart and our love for you. To increase our, our minds, to grow our minds so we can see what you want us to be and what you want us to do. Pray, Father, that, um, that you come back. You send your son back. And when he comes back, that we're, all of us are, are gathered with all those before us, to be with you forever. Boy, we're at a pivotal time, church. Oh, God, help us, help us see that. Help us see this is, a, this is a very pivotal moment where we got to decide, are we going to be, Father, what you want or what we want? Oh, guard us against pride. Increase our humility. Give us a soft heart. Give us a keen ear, a sensitive heart to your Holy Spirit to build a church and become a church that you would like. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You are forever in my life. You see me through the season. Cover me with your hand and lead me in your righteousness and I look to you.
Yeah. 